Hello, hello, it's Leading Women in Tech Time. Welcome back to the show that is here to uplevel you and your career. I'm Tony, your host of Leading Women in Tech, executive, CEO, woman in tech myself, as well as a passionate coach for women in tech, up-leveling their careers and making sure that every single one of you are changing the tech industry for the better. How are you doing today? How is your week going? I always ask that question and for good reason. I actually do genuinely want to hear from you. As women in tech, we empower each other. Empowered women empower other women. And the women in tech world, although there are more and more of us, which thank heavens for that, right? We still need to search each other out and lift each other up. There still are not enough of us. And that's a large part of why I provide this podcast. It's why I have my free Slack community. If you're not in the leading women in tech Slack community, by the way, uh, you need to head over to the show notes and grab that link and go and join in. Uh, it's quite quiet right now. We aren't doing a lot, but we've got some ideas coming. We've got some free challenges for you to do. And more than anything, I want you to surround yourself by other women in tech, people that understand what it feels like to be the only one in the room, to have that privilege that's not 100% there. Don't get me wrong, many of us have privilege. All of us on some level have privilege. We get to work in technology, right? Some of us have more of it, some of us less of it, but we have less than our male peers, especially our white male peers. And it's really powerful to be surrounded by others who understand on a, a deeper level of what we're going through. And that's what I really want for you. Not because we need to sit and wallow in that, but because when we are experiencing a challenge that perhaps our male mentors haven't, it is super powerful to go to your female friends other women in tech who have experienced what you're experiencing and say, hey, how did you handle this? Any insights? That's what I want for you. There's something super powerful about surrounding yourself with these women. So head over there and make sure you're joining in. It's actually also why I am running my workshop next week on creating action from strategy. Because as you know, if you've listened to me before, far too many strategies fail to deliver, not because the strategy wasn't any good, but because the strategy sat on a virtual shelf gathering dust instead of being driven forward. And I wanted to put together a workshop that didn't just address that, which is a very important topic, but also addressed it from the point of view of being the only woman in the room, being the woman driving that strategic initiative when you're leading a room full of men, which it is a different experience for us. Whatever somebody else might say to you, we have a different experience from our male peers. It is just the reality of life. By the way, until such time that we, as 51% of the human population, are also 51% of tech executives and tech leaders, then we will have, be having a different experience, right? And a better one. And hopefully also be creating better outcomes, having technology that's built better, creating better technology for the human race, simply because we have that diversity of thought and experience and innovation and Simply getting to the point where we have better representation of women is also actually going to require us to have better representation of other underrepresented groups in the tech sphere. And that is going to make everything so much better, not just for us as people working in tech, but for the entire human race that actually uses tech. So that's a long way said. That's why I put together this workshop next week, because I want to talk about what it means to be the person driving change in a company such that it stays competitive and and yet also be the only one talking the way you're talking? What does it take to ensure your product, your team and your business unit remain relevant 
even though you've got the whirlwind of everyday activities, that means you really have time for strategic execution. What does it really mean to drive that change that you've dreamt up? But the cold hard reality is, how do you fit that into the day-to-day schedule, not just of yourself, but of your whole team and maintain motivation? That's why I've created this workshop that is next week. It's high touch, a small number of women. I probably won't be running it with such a small number ever again. So make sure you head on over to tonycollis.com forward slash creating action. Link is in the show notes. Save your spot right now. <laughs> Have you done that? Great, you're back. <laughs> okay, I cannot wait to see you there. Right, let's dig into today's episode. It actually is beautifully linked to creating action from strategy because for many of us, that is hard. And today I want to talk about doing hard things. Why? Because I want you to step away from mediocrity. Moving away from the easy, focusing instead on the big and the uncomfortable instead of the small and immediate, moving to that longer term, being able to focus and sacrifice a little bit in the short term for those longer term wins, that is where we get to do amazing stuff. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. So why is it so hard to do hard things, right? If you know logically, if you've been around here long enough, you know that doing hard things is what's going to unlock stuff, right? Sitting on the sofa every day versus getting up and going to work. You know, one thing's easier than the other. Deciding to go on the job hunt, that's hard. A lot of the time we feel burned out, we don't have the energy for it. It's hard to do it. Well, how would you do it? Hard things, right? A lot of us know that we need to do hard things. And actually, from a, a large point of view, a lot of what I talk about of executive presence, leaning into influence for leadership, learning how to not be defensive, uh, stepping into a new leadership regime, learning how to do strategy properly for the first time, really developing your executive skills, which you're never done with, by the way, you never stop developing. If you do, you're kind of becoming irrelevant tomorrow, right? That is super, super important for you. You should know that by now. And yet many of us, it's much easier to coast, to stay still, to stay stuck. The problem is coasting. At some point, we are going to become irrelevant. Not to mention that for many of us, and probably if you're listening to this show, (laughs) you're one of these people. You know that coasting, while sometimes we need to do that because some other part of our life needs our attention, quite simply coasting at some point, we actually burn out from coasting, bizarrely. Because if we coast for too long, we actually get stressed because we're not achieving. Because many of us have, I would say actually everybody, it's just, it shows up in different ways for different people. And some people appear like they want to coast for their entire lives, but it's because they have different drivers. All of us are driven though. We are all ambitious in some way or other. It just shows up in different ways and for different people. Listening to Leading Women in Tech, you're probably ambitious about your tech leadership career. There may well be times in your life where you need to coast because you just, you can't do anything else. But if you coast for too long, your ambition that is not being fulfilled actually makes you stressed. And it's 
stress that causes burnout, not working crazy hours or anything like that. It's stress. So yes, you can be coasting and get burnout. <laughs> so hopefully you you really do appreciate that doing hard things is a good thing. But why are hard things hard? And let's have a look at this first of all before we dive into what we can be doing. Because I think this is a great way for you to actually understand what to do differently if you understand what's going on. First things first, it's worth recognizing our brains are wired from an evolutionary perspective to save mental energy, right? And for good reason. Our brains are extremely costly in terms of resources. We use far more energy as a proportion of our total energy intake on our brain than almost, I think, any other mammal. I didn't look that up before I said that. I'm not quoting anybody, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> All right, so we want to save mental energy. It's exhausting. And when we do hard things, that requires more energy. When we focus our efforts on things that are easy, they're easy to do, they're easy to recall, they're familiar, so decisions aren't hard, we don't have to think slowly, we're generally saving mental and potentially physical effort. Now, actually, this is related to unconscious bias. One of my other favorite topics I don't talk about much on the show. The average human makes 10,000 decisions a day. And we want to do that in such a way that we minimize our effort, right? As I mentioned, that's a good thing for us from an evolutionary perspective. So we base our decisions on familiar stuff from previous past experience. It's actually why children suck, quite frankly, at decision making. It's not because they're young per se. Yes, that correlates here. But the actual problem is they don't have the experience. And again, the experience isn't actually the issue, the lack of experience. The problem is they don't have the experience. So they have to engage logic, which is exhausting. Most 10,000 decisions a day, you cannot do that every single one of those with logic. And you can't make swift decisions because you have no information because you have very little life experience. That's actually what's going on in children. It's, it's not explicitly because they're young. It's not explicitly because they have a lack of life experience. It's what that causes that's the problem. Cause and effect versus correlation. <laughs> and what this is actually related to is something called expediency bias. Doing the thing that feels easy feels right and rushing to judgment. We're naturally more inclined to do what feels right and feels easy. And also, this is also linked to the hedonic principle, where we're wired to do things that make us feel good, right? If something is easy to do, it's also going to make us feel good. It's, we're actually, you know, wired in such a way that we get a hit from doing something easy. We get a little dopamine hit. It gives us an immediate emotional reward. Doing hard things, by definition, is actually about delayed gratification, Take, for example, learning a new language. The benefit will be far in the future, even if you're great at learning new languages. Maybe it's when you land a job that benefits from you having had that language in your toolkit. Or maybe it's when you find it easy to communicate next time when you're on holiday and you feel all smug with satisfaction about how much better your holiday is going because you know the native language of the country that you're visiting. But by now, you probably know that to be great in your career as a leader, as a woman in tech, we need to do hard things. You probably know that. Learning technology is not the same thing as stacking shelves in the grocery store. You've done hard things in your career to get to the point you are. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast, right? Even if you're in college or even in school, listen to this podcast. I applaud you if that's you, by the way. You're probably listening to it because you're doing something hard. You care about technology. Yes, you might be excited about it, but it's not the same thing as sitting with some crayons like my little niece and nephew did all weekend, right? 
What is it that is driving you to do hard things and yet at the same time you want to do easy? So if you know that you need to do hard things in order to get the change you want in your career, to elevate yourself, whether that's getting comfortable with delegation, leading with a presumption of trust despite having people that up until now have broken your trust, you're going to have to step out your comfort zone, that's hard. Or simply learning how to influence more as an executive instead of getting defensive all the time. It is hard to change the way you operate. But to be a high performer, you likely know by now that high performance comes from doing things differently. And what got you to where you are today won't get you much further. If you stick with what you're doing right now, it might feel easy because what works for you got you here and it's going to feel comfortable. You're going to have the experience. You're going to be able to make those decisions quickly because you have all that life experience. You'll maybe get one or two steps further, though you may already have had that ceiling. Maybe that's why you're listening to this episode. The problem is that working hard, whether that's changing the way you deal with your team not performing or changing the way you manage right now or defending your ideas in a different way and the work you do right now and changing that too, that what you're doing right now has gotten you results. It's got you here. You've got that verification that your brain says, oh, stay here. It's safe. It's easy. It gets results. Great. Keep doing more of this. That's what your brain is telling you. Your brain is also maybe telling you, check emails and Slack first thing in the morning to keep everybody happy. And people need me to be super responsive or I need to turn up to meetings even if I don't want to be there because it got you here. It's got your results. It's that pattern matching your brain saying, this works, let's continue. Every time you do those things, you get a dopamine hit. Every time you respond to an email or a DM, you get a dopamine hit and your brain is just getting addicted. It is addicted actually to this. And it has this longing to log in. Have you ever struggled with not logging into your emails or Slack in the mornings, the weekends, while you're on vacation? Even if logically you know the world isn't going to end. So a lot of my clients will initially tell themselves a story that like, oh my gosh, like the world will end if I don't log in. It's not acceptable for me to be not there. And then we'll dig into it and realize actually there's nobody setting that expectation. And they're in charge enough that they can do that with their team. And then there's like, oh, actually, I, I, I don't know how to do anything else. I am actually needing this, this jolt of something. And they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to put my phone over the other side of the office and they'll go get it. Right? Your brain is wired to want this stuff. That's the hard thing we're trying to overcome here. You are addicted to your current behavior. It's time to break that cycle. It's time to grow and growing, having a growth mindset, taking the action, that's going to be hard, which is why I wanted to have this episode. So let's talk about what you need. I've actually got seven steps for you here. What you need in order to step away from where you are today, up level, do those hard things, and unlock so much, much more in yourself. Just like learning that language, recognize that putting that effort in now is going to reap rewards by making your life easier in the future. Okay, let's talk about the seven steps you need to unlock yourself from that mediocrity cycle, move to growth and do hard things. Step number one, do hard things when you're in a good mood. (laughs) You've probably learned this from some previous experiences. You've got that correlation piece. Well, a 2016 study um, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences for the United States of America, PNAS, by Takit Atal, found that when people are upset, they're less likely to do hard things. 
probably doesn't surprise you, but let's actually recognize that somebody studied this, right? Let's dismiss our brains and we're like, oh, I just grow up and get on with this. No, no, it's actually easier to do stuff when you're in a good mood. It also found that when we feel good, we're far more likely to tackle the hard things and, you know, allow ourselves to have that delayed gratification. We can think longer term. We can remind ourselves of that bigger picture. When we're upset, that's really hard. It's why one of the first things I do with my clients is I work on their mindset. We work on their time management because if you have a good mindset, you have the time management in place, you feel like in control of things, you're more likely to be in a good mood. And you can do things as well to boost your mood, like simply reminding yourself of how good you will feel when you achieve that thing is actually a really great way to shift your mood. Tap into how you want to feel, the outcome you're going to have and what you will do for you. My coach actually gets me to pre-plan all my celebrations. She's like, well, how are you going to celebrate when you achieve that milestone? What are you going to do? And she will get me to plan out in huge amounts of detail how I'm going to celebrate. So I'm tapped in to the good mood that I want that drives me into action. I think it's a really great technique. Tap into how you're going to feel, how you're going to celebrate and see if that unlocks a good mood in you. It's actually also why a lot of people do future journaling where you describe in great detail how it will feel once you've achieved the thing, how your life is going to be different in some way. Again, tapping into that future good mood and explicitly linking it to the hard task ahead of you. You can also do simple mood boosting activities from raising your adrenaline through exercise, provided you're not too tired at the end of it, because then it becomes hard because you're, when we're tired, we're, it's harder to do hard things. Um, some people like yoga, meditation to like just, you know, center themselves. I even found um, this last weekend, I've had my niece and nephew visiting me. And you know what? Having a good laugh, sometimes having small kids around you makes you remember how important having a good laugh is to boost your mood. So do hard things when you're in a good mood. And if you're really struggling with that, that's the first thing to look at. Look at what you need to do to get your mood in place. Step number two, help your brain by providing it with context. When we want our brains to choose option A over option B, it's very easy to just consider A and B next to each other. Maybe option A is to hold off on checking your email and work on this big project that's big and daunting. Whereas option B is check your email because, hey, I'll feel good and I'll have achieved something in the next 20 minutes. I've only got 20 minutes. Option A, option B. How about instead we provide some context? Do I want to work on my email while I do some triage that generates another 10 emails for every email I send and doesn't actually move the needle for the business? Or do I want to work on the strategy project and spend just 20 minutes figuring out what the next steps are to unlock the potential for my team's input on this next strategic round? Suddenly, that context helps your brain to challenge the immediate return need. So provide context. Work at the context yourself. If you can actually properly tell yourself, like, what is the cost benefit here? Like, why am I even tackling this? If you can't write that down, you've got work to do. Once you've written it down, provide your brain with some context. Next time you're like, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? I kind of want to do that. I know I should do this. Give it some context. Step number three, possibly my favorite, <laughs> celebrate wins. Developing a growth mindset, which is really about the hard stuff you're trying to do here, starts by leaning into the experience you've had when you've done previous hard things and reminding yourself that when you've done hard work and you've had that growth, that you've been rewarded for it. 
One of the things I do with every single one of my clients in their mastermind sessions is I ask them, what are you celebrating today? What are you celebrating this week, this month, like whatever the frequency is I meet with them, which depends on the clients. In fact, all of my clients, whether they're in my academy or in my one-on-one coaching programs, get asked every single Friday in Slack, what are we celebrating today? Not because I want to fill their lives with another chore, right? Like there's not the point behind this, but because focusing on what's gone well provides that perspective shift that we all desperately need to tackle that evolutionary need to focus on staying safe, staying put, staying in the same place and not rocking the boat because your brain is saying, stay here, it saves energy, it's working, it's working, it's working. And that's normally constantly accompanied by, oh my gosh, if we do that, scary stuff's going to happen, right? If I do that, it's going to be hard work, scary, bad things, fear. What we need to do is celebrate the experiences we've had so our brain sees the counterweight. Our brains aren't wired that way. Our brain wants us to not walk over the cliff. It doesn't remind us that actually earlier we went close to the cliff edge and we found this amazing vegetable. Wasn't that tasty? <laughs> okay, I'm getting really weird in my my evolutionary stories here. And I think a few um, archaeologists might have words with me because <laughs> I know nothing about this stuff. But hopefully you get the idea. We need our brains to be reminded of how great it is to do something hard, to win, to go through the pain of job hunting and landing that great offer that knocks you off your feet. You're like, holy heck, I want more of that. To go through a long, arduous strategy setting process and having a kick-ass strategy for the next five years ready to implement. By the way, go <laughs> sign up for that creating action strategy workshop next week. Or to have that hard conversation that is scary and uncomfortable, but pushes your team to new heights and great achievements. Maybe it's standing around with peers and holding a firm line, but then having your company achieve something so much bigger because you held that line that you knew was the right thing to do. Sometimes the most important wins are also the ones where we take time off and time out. I often say to my clients, I am absolutely 100% here to celebrate you just having an evening to yourself or doing a bit of self-care and pampering because those are sometimes the hardest thing to do. That's the first thing we sacrifice is looking after ourselves. And yet that crucial downtime is where the greatness comes from. It's where we unlock the innovation and the unusual thinking, the things that sets us apart from everybody else. It's when our brains aren't actively engaged in our day job. It's when we're allowing ourselves to unwind. So celebrating that to me is like the most important thing you can do. Whatever it is that you're celebrating, get into the habit of celebrating and recording your wins. And the next time you're planning something new, we're going to talk about planning in just a moment, that's going to be hard, that's a bit scary, that's a bit uncomfortable, dig out the wins that show your brain you can do this, that you have success in this area already. Even if it's baby steps, maybe you've broken it all down and you realize, okay, this step is a little bit like a win I had then. I've got a success story there. And then you can focus on like, okay, I'm going to do this baby step and I've already had success in this area. Great. Pattern match and break it down, make it easy. Then it's suddenly not actually that hard because you've done most of these steps before. It might only be the last couple of steps that are completely new to you. Okay, step number four. I've kind of already mentioned this, but break the task down. Be the project manager of your own hard task. Break it down into bite-sized chunks. Identify the subtasks. Identify what's actually really hard. Go back to the celebrations. As I just, as step three and step four are definitely related here because what you want to do is 
of all the steps you want to see what have I done before what is actually new what is actually novel what's actually hard all too often when we look at this big hard thing we're like oh gosh this is super hard and we just push it away into the corner when we break it down make it into those bite-sized chunks you'll probably only find like one or two of the subtasks that are actually different difficult or hard so ask yourself what am I actually scared of here that's also a great question to ask like once you've got all those subtasks Ask yourself, what am I scared of? Where's the fear coming from that's holding me back? Is it just that there's effort involved? Is it just that it's like lots of small things? Or is there a task or two here that I'm I'm probably like, I have no idea how to tackle this. Ask yourself what you're really scared of and then ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? By just breaking down this hard thing into smaller tasks, even if you can't plan the whole thing out, sometimes it's very easy to get stuck in the weeds and be like, oh my gosh, I can't figure out all the steps. You don't actually have to have all the steps. You just actually have to have the next step. But when you break it down, it can feel more empowering. In fact, one of the things I do whenever I have a big task, which is all the time, I always have one ruthless priority, which is a big strategic task. And the first task on that is figure out what to do next. (laughs) Sometimes that will come in an entire plan. Sometimes it'd be like, "Mm, gosh, I just need to like figure out some high level stuff and the next, the detail of the next step. You don't have to have everything. You just have to give yourself permission to have a 20 minute task, if that's all you've got, to figure out the next thing. You don't have to have everything perfect. And then you look at what you already know and you say, can I do this? Actually, yes, I can. I've already done that step. Okay, great. Suddenly that big task, although you don't know the rest of it, you can do the first bit, the next bit in front of you, and it's not that scary. Even more than not being scary, it also probably will become a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute task. In an ideal world, things that are hard, you want to do in small chunks. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you shouldn't expect to wake up tomorrow and suddenly be able to like work on a new scary hard thing for like six, seven, eight, 10, 12 hours, five days in a row. Build up your stamina. Whenever I start a new project, I will literally say to myself, let's do 10 minutes. What can I do in 10 minutes? (laughs) Typically breaking it down and doing some kind of triage into like, what do I do next? Break it down, do a little bit every day. Maybe if you want to do more than that in a day, great, but do it in 10 minute chunks. Give yourself breathing space. Celebrate your wins in between each of those and then move on. Break the task down. Step five, start with something that feels easier or more familiar. Of those tasks you've already identified, what feels close to something you've already done? So for example, if you've broken it all down, you're like, you've got 10 tasks, they don't all have to be done in a linear order. What if those is easy for you to do? What have you already done? That's going to break down that emotional barrier to you. Like you can get an early win, right? If you know anything about your first 90 days, the early win is key. It's crucial. Same applies to yourself when you're trying to do hard things. Find yourself some early wins. What can you do to make the smallest change from where you are right now to that direction of travel you're going in that you've already got some proof of concept for because you've got a win in the bank already in a similar area, you've already achieved that. What can you do to make that first early win feel super easy and give your brain that hit like, oh my gosh, I'm on this direction of travel and it feels good. Step six, take action first thing in the day. This should be a given by now if you've listened to me around here. Decision making in particular is easier earlier in the day. You get decision fatigue as the day goes on and doing hard things. It's a marathon. Therefore, you're going to have more energy at the beginning of the day. It isn't a must. And some people do like to do things in the evenings. I'm a bit of a night owl, but I do find that doing hard things, despite being a night owl, 
the hard things that are easier for me at the beginning of the day, before I get distracted by life, the universe and everything in it, right? (laughs) By all the things I've got piled on my plate, do the hard thing before the noise hits me. It's why I don't open my email or Slack earlier in the day. I do my hard thing first. And then step seven, possibly the most important after celebration, reward yourself. As my coach says, plan your reward ahead of time. She even gets me to book things. Like if my reward is like a trip or something like that, or like, uh, maybe I want to buy something for myself. I don't always spend money, by the way, to reward myself. Something is just like having some me time or something like that. But she gets me to book things or put things in my shopping basket virtually or something like that. I think it's such an important thing to do. Reward yourself. Give yourself that hit that you need to say, oh my gosh, look, I did a hard thing and something great came from it. I even do this, even if you get a job offer, right? You might think the offer itself is reward enough. No, no, go further than that. Go and go take yourself out for dinner. (laughs) Buy yourself a bunch of flowers, like whatever it is that you love. One of my clients told me the other day that she now buys herself flowers rather than waiting for other people to buy them for her. And I'm like, yes, lady, (laughs) fabulous. I actually do this for myself as well. Why wait for somebody to buy them for you? Just buy them yourself, right? (laughs) Whatever it is that you love doing for yourself, make this, something that you do when things are going great for you, when you've done that hard thing, maybe when you've done the milestones on the way to your hard thing, give your brain what it needs to say, oh yes, doing well here. All right, so those are your seven steps. Let's just do a quick recap. Number one, do hard things when you're in a good mood. Number two, help your brain by providing context. Number three, celebrate your wins. Number four, break down the tasks. And number five, start with what feels small and familiar Number six, take action first thing in the day. And number seven, reward yourself. All right. Don't forget, of course, that we'll be covering some of this stuff in the sense of strategy in that creating strategy workshop. So head to tonycollis.com forward slash creating action. But of course, as always, let's finish up with a leadership mindset moment. In case you're new around here, what is a leadership mindset moment? I hear you ask. Well, this is where we're going to talk about how to adjust how you act or think to make it easier to up level on the topic of today's podcast. They're all short, they're all sweet, they're all simple. And today's mindset moment is about stop worrying about the competition. Focus on doing your little piece of the puzzle really, really well. Comparisonitis is a real thing which can suck all the motivation you have, even if it's only a small amount just sucks it out of you. Now, don't get me wrong, some people are really motivated by comparing themselves in that competition piece, but actually, when we're doing hard things, that very rarely motivates most of us through the whole thing. More often than not, it stops us taking action. Most people just approach their goals with a simple strategy, beat the other people. As Grant Cardone once wrote, many people think in terms of, I have to do what my colleague, neighbor, family member is doing instead of I have to do what's best for me. As a leader, you need to step into the energy of doing what's best for you, doing what's best for your business, always thinking that way instead of what everybody else thinks you should be doing. That doesn't mean you can't consider other people in the right context. That's kind of a different topic for another episode in that we can learn a lot from other people, what they're doing, want to make sure that we're not reinventing the wheel. But actually what we want to do for us, for our work, for our careers is about us. It isn't about other people. So stick with doing what you need, not what anybody else should or shouldn't be doing, not against anyone else or with anybody else. You are all that matters. Doing hard things this way will unlock so much for you. I want you to create new habits by doing this. 
I want you to unlock your future. I want you to do hard things every day. You're going to enter a growth mindset. And believe me, this is a beautiful place to be. I know that I get bored if I'm not growing, but growing is hard. I'm constantly pushing the boundaries of my comfort zone. That in itself is a hard thing to do. But when you do it, you become stronger, more competent, and more capable as a person, and more fulfilled and rewarded. People are attracted to somebody like that. And if you're a leader, you need people to feel your presence in the room, to walk into the room and think, gosh, I want to listen to this woman. I want to be like this woman. That woman is a leading woman in tech. (laughs) All right, that's it for today's episode. If you love this and you feel like somebody else needs to hear this in their earbuds, do me a favor, share this with them. I am on a mission to change the face of the technology industry so we have more women in leadership positions around the global tech workforce. But until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.